You do believe that, right? <laughs> not, not really. I tell some people that she gave me this, but I, I can't get anybody to believe me. She's my helpmate. I am blessed. She made my poster for me here tonight. She typed my talk for me here today. And she says I owe her. I've been blessed for 54 years now, and I just praise the Lord for her. The Lord gave her to me. I kind of liked her older sisters, but I ended up with Kay, and I never did get around to Darlene. Well, that's the truth, I tell you not. Okay, I brought uh, Big Mouth Billy Bass with me. Uh, he's old now, but back 20 years ago, he was a pretty popular cat. I bet somebody made a lot of money on that guy, Randy. Uh, can anybody tell me the two songs that he sang? Billy Bass here. Take me to the river. What's the other one? Anybody? Don't worry. Be happy. Which brings me to what I want to talk to you about tonight. But first, let's hear the fish sing. Now he's a little rusty, so. Praise letting some guy at the fish, a talking fish, a singing fish. Boy, don't hope the word don't get out. All right, here goes. Said the robin to the sparrow, there's one thing that I'd really like to know. Why these ancient human beings, they rush about and they worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Well, you and I know better than that, don't we? The devil tried to tell me that I was not worthy to speak to you folks tonight. Do you ever tell you stuff like that? All right. But I am because I'm a child of the king. The, here it is, Randy. Bail me out if I mess up, okay? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm a child of the king. If royal blood flows through my veins. And I, who was wretched and poor, now can sing, praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the King. Well, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. My talk here tonight may not win any Pulitzer Prizes, 
but it is what it is, and I'm supposed to share it with you. It's a God thing if you want to know what I think. You see, I have these notes that stuck together, and some, oh, I don't know, years ago I presented one, and then another and failed where I was going to talk to a Valentine, some of the seniors on Valentine's Day, and it just didn't materialize. And, and that thing got covered up, and here it was, and, and it ran across it, and I told Kay, I said, you know, I read that over, and I said, you know, maybe... Maybe I need to share that on Wednesday night. Uh, but no, okay, I'm not going to do it. If the Lord wants me to do that, he'll have Randy to call me. Duh. <laughs> you know the rest of the story. So here I am. I'd like to entitle this God Works. And I've got a God Works story that I'm going to tell. And I've told it before. Many of you have heard it before. But it'll be good for you to hear it again. If you, and some of you have never heard it. Tonight. Am I, is this thing too loud or am I okay? Okay. okay. All right. To, to my mouth. Are you sure? Okay. Tonight I would like to talk to you about worry. Discouragement and encouragement. Well, what do we worry about anyway? We worry about elections the direction of our country, our kids, our grandkids, our health. And when you get my age, you begin to worry about your age. All right? And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We could just keep a name and things that we worry about. Whatever we worry about, God is still in control. In Psalms 37 and 8, it says, do not fret. It only causes harm. I was in that New Arslan's the other day, right after they had their big... Blue, you know, and I run across a previous student of mine, and he's my friend, and he was upset, and he needed somebody to lend a listening ear, and I listened for 30 or 40 minutes, Randy. He just kept on, kept on. He was worrying and fretting about things in our country and things in our community, and my best answer, and he just kept a talking, my best answer to him was to let it go. You probably can't fix it anyway. And it's only hurting you. Now, I know there's some things that we can change. And if we can, we're going to. But the way it was, what I saw it there tonight, that's how I, I shared with him. We often worry about things we can't do anything about. I catch myself sometimes worrying about things that's none of my business. You hear me? And many things about all we can do for many things is to pray about it. Sometimes your kids get away from you. All you're going to do is be able to pray for them. You can't affect them anymore in, in certain ways. You, hopefully you raised them right. We fret about things in Washington, D.C. and the things on the news. When we should be concerned more about the things where we are and we can make a difference near home to family, friends, coworkers, who often we have an influence with. My mother had many plaques and pictures all over the wall. Daddy just died six months ago and we've been having sale. We sold a house and all that stuff is not where it was at when I grew up. But mama's favorite, I think, must have been the serenity prayer. Several of them were serenity prayers that we took and hopefully I got them all. I don't know. And it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's pretty good. I looked up that word serenity, because I don't use that every day, and it said peacefulness. 
calmness. And that fits. We worry, we fret, we get stressed out, we get aggravated. And I've been using a computer lately, and, and man, you're talking about getting aggravated. <laughs> worry does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. Worry is a distraction, a preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress, pressures. Jesus does not approve of worry and anxiety. In Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus illustrates the worthlessness of worry by showing that it is unnecessary, unfruitful, unbecoming of a Christian. In Matthew 6, 26, is one of those verses here, it says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? Like to think so. In Philippians 4 and 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. To me, this verse says, don't worry about anything. That fish has got it right. Don't worry. Be happy. The word supplication suggests an earnestness in prayer, transferring the burden from us, from our soul, into God's hands. That's where we need to leave it. Give it to the Lord. Prayer and peace are closely connected. One who entrusts cares to Christ instead of fretting over them will experience the peace of God to guard him from nagging anxiety. Here's my, my God works story, and I want you to listen to me here. I spent 30 years in the U.S. Naval Reserve, and I retired as a chief hospital corpsman. As a reservist, I was required to spend two weeks every year on training duty somewhere in the United States. One of those training duties, I spent two weeks working in Great Lakes, Illinois, at the Naval Hospital there, north of Chicago. I had driven an old 66 Malibu there from Popper Bluff because my wife needed a better car, and goodness knows the other car wasn't much better than the one I took. But that's the way it was. At the end of the day of the first week, Friday, they'd given me the weekend off, and I'd talk to the wife, and she agreed to meet me in Muscoota, Illinois, with the kids. And we were going to be there with her sister, Darlene, who's here tonight. And she and Alan, who passed away about 22 months ago or so, they were pastoring an assembly of God in church in Muscoota. So it was halfway, and, and I agreed to meet them there. Well, I left the base up there north of Chicago about 5, 5.30 in the afternoon. It was getting dark. It began to mist rain, so it was kind of nasty and slick. The road was just slick. And I got on US 94 toll road, and I was coming south towards Chicago out of Wisconsin. I pulled into the first change, you know, where you go through those things, got the baskets and the arms that go up, you know, and let you go and so forth. And I pulled onto this first one, and I threw my change in that basket, and the arm went up, and I took the old car and put it in low gear, and it just raced the engine. I put it in second, and it raced it some more, and put it in third, and it raced it some more. I thought, oh my goodness, what have I got here? I had pulled in the fast lane. I was anxious for my wife and my kids. And they had a guy hired there to look out for guys like me driving somewhere to Chicago. Couldn't have been there, maybe. And so he come over there and said, hey, take it out of gear and I'll help you. And we push it over to the side. So we did. We pushed it over to the side. As we'd go past, there's five lanes between me and the side of the road. And as we'd go by him, he'd hold up his hands and tell them to stop so they wouldn't run over us. And we pushed that old car over to the side. 
pushed it over there. And the trucks and the cars and stuff had been parking there for years, and it was grease. If you walked there, you wouldn't want to walk on carpet after you got off of that greasy mess. It was nasty. And I got in the old car, and I just sat there and had myself a pity party. Anybody in here ever had a pity party? Oh, Lord. We all have, I'm sure. So I sat there for the longest time, and I just didn't have a clue. Do I know anybody around here can help me? No. Well, glory. So I thought, Denny, you got to do something. So I got out of there, opened the trunk on the old car, had old raggy piece of cardboard in the trunk, and I had the jack back there. So I got the cardboard out in the jack, and I went around the front, and I shoved that cardboard underneath that, over top of that old greasy stuff. Out and back in those days, it was one of those jacks about four foot tall, and you had to stick that rod in there, and you go, Remember that, Randy? So I went all the way to the top as far as I could go because I didn't want to get nasty under that anywhere, and I had to. Well, I got it up there, and I got in on one knee. Come on now. You with me? I want you here with me now. We're in Chicago on a nasty trick road beside the road, and ain't nobody going to help you. And I got this hand up there by the radiator and the other knee on that cardboard, and I said a pathetic prayer. I said, oh, God, help me. And it didn't mean it. Did you ever say a prayer that you just didn't give it any thought and you just prayed it automatically? We Christians are kind of guilty of stuff like that sometimes. And there I was. Randy, all of my life, I've never heard God audibly. Never, never, never. I've never seen anything written on a wall that God told me something. But here I am on my knees near Chicago in a greasy, dirty place. And I'm like this. And it's like, ding, ding. Maybe it's the overdrive. Huh. Hadn't thought about that. I said, huh. Man, I got up from there, went and got inside that car, turned that key, started it up, put the clutch in, put it in low gear, let it, or I pushed the overdrive in. They used to have, they'd come out like this and you push them in under the dash. And I pushed that thing back in there and take it out of overdrive and let that clutch up. And that old car moved on that jack. Well, glory. Man, I could go all the way to see my baby in Muscoota. In low gear if I got to. So, man, I was happy. Boy, turned that thing off, got out of there, got out, got my cardboard, got my jack, threw it in the trunk, put that thing in low, and got out there in the traffic. First gear worked, second gear worked, third gear worked. Moved right out. Remember I told you there's five lanes? There was six total, and they all kind of funnel into three or four or five, whatever. Well, there I go, buddy. I'm going to see my baby after all. And... Here's the stinger. The first car I pulled in behind was one of those Oldsmobile Omegas. Now, some of you kids don't even know what I'm talking about. Oldsmobile's gone, so's the Omega. But it was a little uh, throwaway car. But it had a bumper sticker on it. Any idea what the bumper sticker said? It said, God works. What a dumb bumper sticker. It said, God works. I'd never seen one like that before in my life. And you know what? As I thought about that, I thought, Lord, did anybody else see that but me? Or did you just prepare that for me? <laughs> Duh. God is capable of doing something like that. But there it was. The Lord gave me that bumper sticker. He put that up there for Denny. 
And he'll do stuff like that for you. You just got to recognize it. You know, the older I get, the more I see God things. We need to recognize God things. They're all around us. We got to recognize them and then give God the glory for them. We pray and we ask God to do this or that. And sometimes after it happens, we get it. What do you think of friends that do that to you? Okay, I've had enough of that. I got to quit. You got the message. Prayer and peace are closely connected. Oh, by the way, I'm not finished with that story. <laughs> I had one more week of training duty up there. I need to get. I got to go to the kids. Everything's fine. We got back. I put another weekend into the hospital up there. When I got home, I said, "Kay, I'm going to make me some bumper stickers." So we found a source where I could make God work bumpers. Eddie, we did. So help me. And I give everybody a bumper sticker that would wear one. I had one on my cars. I don't know if I couldn't find any around the house. I kind of asked Kay, we got any of those left? And then I made pencils. I made pencils. And on the side of that wooden pencil, it said, God works. And as we was cleaning out daddy's house here the last six months, I found two of those, Jim. God works. And I used those. Randy's talking about finding ways to talk to people about the Lord. Well, buddy, you give them a pencil that said God works on her. You got to start. Okay. I think I'm done with that. I think. Prayer and peace are closely connected. One who entrusts cares to Christ instead of fretting over them will experience the peace of God to guard him from nagging anxiety. Now, I spent... I'm a page behind. You never done that, did you? Not only do we worry, but Christians sometimes get discouraged. Whatever the cause, maybe some have wronged you. Maybe someone has disappointed you. Take heart. Surely the Lord has placed you where you are to be a blessing or an example to somebody. I'm not sure you can be that blessing or that example in a discouraged state. So look up and listen, because in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 and 16 through 18, I paraphrased it here, but you, you're familiar with it. It says, we are hard pressed, but not crushed, perplexed, not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Do not lose heart. These are just light afflictions, just for a short time. These things that we see are only temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. My Bible says life is like a vapor. It's pretty quick. Pilgrims, we're going to be out of here pretty soon, I think. I truly believe it. It's just the way it seems. Glory, glory, glory. Philippians 4, 4. 12 through 14, Paul says, I try to forget those things that are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal. Read it for yourself there. It's best to go on. Don't be discouraged. Years ago, I was discouraged with my life and my job and my church and the situation around me in general. My boys were still small, and at the breakfast table each morning, we used those little scripture reading boxes. We had one there on the table, little plastic box, I think, that, the one right here. 
Y'all are familiar with them probably, but that's old school, but it's still new school too. All right. Each of us would pull out the scripture and we'd read it aloud there at our breakfast. An on-time God. If we are searching for God's will in prayer and Bible study, we will, he will send you an answer in some way or another. Do you believe that? You believe it? I do. This particular morning, I pulled a scripture card that was from Exodus chapter 17, verses 4 through 6. The children of Israel were complaining against Moses, and Moses was discouraged, and, and he didn't know what to do. And the card said, and Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, what shall I do? And the Lord said to Moses, go on. And he says, Moses did so. Now, I got to thinking of that, about that pity party and that pathetic prayer. Moses was having a pity party, and he was having a pathetic prayer. You, you relate to that? We don't think of that, but that's kind of where that's at there. And I say to you, go on. The remedy for wrongs is to forget them, get over it, let it go, shake it off, leave it there, and go on. Remember, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of them that love God to those who are called according to his purpose. God works. Even in hardships and suffering, even in bitter disappointments, even when wrongly treated, Christians can know that God will work amidst such situations and fulfill his purpose in you and I. Even if situations stay difficult, God guarantees ultimate good results, including a maturing of our character. But remember this maturing, for it to take place, a Christian must be in a right spirit. That's important. Lord, help us. Help us, God. We tend to think that unless we can stay or do something, say or do something special for our friend, who is going, what's it going to make any difference? We just stay at home if we can't make a difference. Actually, what is needed most is the simple of our friendship, a hug, a discouraging word, an opportunity to talk, and I think mainly to listen. 1225, it says anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Some people need more encouragement than others. All around us are discouraged people who need a good word from us to cheer us up. The little poem I've come across with says, it was only a kindly word and a word that was lightly spoken, yet not in vain for it's still the pain of a heart that was nearly broken. Even if you have nothing else to give, you can always give encouragement. In our Sunday school class, Sunday, we're studying the book of Job. Our lesson Sunday was chapter 1 and 2, where Job lost his servants, his sheep, his camels, and all of his children. He had boils all over his body. And his wife, to beat all things, told him to curse God and die. Boy, what a mess. As he sat on that ash heap, scraping his sores, he had three friends that came to comfort Job. Praise God for friends. In verse 2, 13 says that they sat with him on the ground for seven days and nights and no one said a word because his grief was so great. Lord, help us to give encouragement. Even if it's just being there. By the way, commercial, commercial time. 
Every Sunday morning over here in the corner, we have Sunday school in the metro at 9.30. We usually run from 60 to 70 people in there, and we study the Bible through every seven years, okay? Terry Bullock is one of her teachers. Clarence Kreitz is one of her teachers and myself. We invite you to come and be a part of that class. We're family in there. We're a team. I promise you it's true. In Matthew 26, there's a story about a lady who anointed Jesus' head with costly perfume. People around them ask, well, why the waste? Why don't you sell that perfume and get the money and give it to the poor? Well, we learn a valuable lesson from this devotion of this woman. We need to break out the best perfumes for the living. All too often, we wait until somebody dies to leave uh, or leave to show them appreciation. I hope you all listen to me now. Is there someone who comes to mind, a friend, a family member, a teacher, a pastor, who would be honored and encouraged by an expression of your love and appreciation? Then do something to show it while that person is still around. How many times do we go to funerals and we see somebody we haven't seen in 10 years and you wonder, why don't we get together? Why don't we tell them how we appreciate them, this or that? And yet it doesn't happen until the next funeral. You know what I'm saying? Y'all with me there? All right, enough of that. Ever hear anybody say, I wish I'd paid more attention to them or loved them more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? A few years ago, my dad had a young man named Mark who lived next door to him. Mark was his friend, and he often mowed dad's grass. Mark was a nephew of Reverend Gail Jackson from Sykeston. Randy, remember that name? Reverend Jackson was a great tent meeting evangelist in the 50s and the 60s. Big time guy. Mark lived alone, and he had lost his longtime job. He, would not, he could not seem to find another job to replace it. He visited, or we visited my daddy nearly every week, and many times we'd go by there, and Mark would be over there, and you'd wave at him and say, Hello, Mark. Dad had, or Kay had Mark in elementary school. She taught school in Cape for a number of years, and, and he was in her fourth grade class. Well, Mark hung himself in a tree in the backyard a couple of years ago. He'd called the police. He called the fire department and said, hey, be sure to come and get me down. I don't want my brother to catch me hanging from this tree. He wanted to make sure that his brother didn't find him. Who would have known that would have happened? How many times I've waved at Mark. I wish I'd have talked to him, encouraged him, became his friend. Oh, Lord. Could, there could possibly be people all around us that way. Y'all listen to me. Oh, Jesus uses. God puts it. Make us sensitive, Lord. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. Some years ago, September 1996, to be exact, I made a list of 13 people who are the most influential in my life. One was a teacher. One was a, my parents. Two of my parents. My mother-in-law my brother, my grandparents, three friends, and four pastors. The ideal was to send them a Gideon thinking of you card. The Gideons would place a Bible somewhere on their behalf. And I've got some up here. If anybody's interested in one of those thanking you cards, you can help yourself to them. That by no means means you need to do that. I would encourage you to use any way you've got to let somebody know that you appreciate them. You're thank, thankful for them.
I was to put a note in it, a card, telling them that I had recently made a list of 13 of the most important people in my life and that they were one of them. Wouldn't that make you feel pretty good if you got one of those? And tell them thanks. The problem came in finding addresses. It was hard to do. Many of those people were passed on, and you couldn't find them. I think it is a good idea, or something similar, if you could come up with something, whatever or however you do it, let's try to be a body, as a body, to be more in tune of being an encourager. Are you all with me now? You still here? In Proverbs 12, 25, it says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. In Proverbs 17, 22, it says, a merry heart does good like a medicine. God approves of laughter. Amen. We have talked about worry. We've talked about discouragement. We've talked about encouragement. But through it all, the secret is to trust God. Pray, read the word, and hold to God's unchanging hand, Randy. Here goes once more. Time is filled with swift transition. Naught of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hallelujah. That'll work. That'll work. That'll preach. Well, I love you folks. Thank you for putting up with me. And thank you for letting me share with you tonight. And I'd like to ask you, if you will, if you'd all come forward and stand around the altar. And we will have a, a short time of prayer here. Okay, we're, we've been doing this for how many years, Randy? Four years. So let's not break the chain. Would you please come up here, please? And, and I'm not a, a big, long prayer, man. Uh, 